1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. This is a conversation between the Lord and Elijah, the prophet. It says, And the Lord said unto him, Elijah, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. Watch this. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Melholah, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. In other words, he's going to be your successor. So if you skip down to verse 19, So he, being Elijah, departed thence. And he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing over his servant, over his word today. Pray with me. Father, we just come before you today already grateful for the sweet, sweet presence of your spirit. Lord, today I pray that you would anoint your servant, anoint your word, that it would not return void, but that it would accomplish exactly that that you wanted to accomplish while I realize today that this message may not be for everyone in this room, there is certainly word that can be gleaned. And for those specifically that are listening online, watching online, or that are sitting here and this message is for them, I pray God that it would take deep root in their heart and today would be a significant life-altering day. We give you praise, we give you thanks for your blessing and your anointing in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. I want to share with you on the thought of giving a party for your past. Giving a party for your past. As you live in this world... And year after year, as you get older and older, the memory in some ways gets bigger and larger with significant events and major happenings and large occurrences of the past. It's crazy that you can't remember where you laid your keys or your cell phone. 
It's crazy that you can't recall your last conversation. But life-altering events never seem to escape your memory. On the one hand, you have highlights and successes that bring a smile to your face. Or on the other hand, you have a litany of failures or a long list of wrong choices that if you allow, will somber your disposition. I read once about the Zagarnik effect. Maybe you've never heard of it. But it is when failures of your past take on a life of their own. Because the brain remembers incomplete tasks or failures longer than successful tasks or fulfilled accomplishments. Whereas successes or completed projects, they do not get much brain priority. Failures seem to have no closure. The brain continues to spin the memory, trying to come up with ways to fix the mess and to change it from a failure to a success. Whether it's a small failure or a large disaster, we want to go back and fix it. And yet, with all that being said, we serve a God who not only redeems us from our sins, but He redeems us from our past. He redeems us from our past failures, and yes, He redeems us from our past successes. You see, I don't know about you, but all of us have failures in our past. But there's some people I've met, they need to be redeemed from the successes of their past. Hello? <laughs> I'm reminded at the very outset of this message of what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, old things. We could say failures or successes. Old things, sins or victories. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And there are times that we just need to resolve, dig in our heels, square our shoulders, and say, you know what, we're going to throw a party for our past, and we're going to leave it there. You see, in the life of Elisha, I'm always intrigued by the astounding call of God upon him. The Lord has called him to be a servant to Elijah, his predecessor. He would become his, Elisha would become his successor. And the way this kind of unfolds is very intriguing to me. First, I see him out in the field with his servants. He's part of a wealthy family. And he's, he's out with his servants, 11 servants besides himself. And, and they're out with 12 yoke of oxen. Every yoke of oxen meant two ox. So there was 12 men, Elisha and 11, and 24 oxen that were out plowing in the field. And somehow Elijah, the fiery prophet of the Lord, walks out on a random given day. And as the, this plowing is going on, he selects the man that God has called to succeed him. He walks up to him, and he simply places his mantle around his shoulder. 
Well, that was a very sacred time and a very sacred event. And Elisha looks at at Elijah, this fiery prophet, and he says, let me run. He knows what it means. It means that he's he's got to leave and he's got to go with him and do the ministry that God has called him to. And he says, let me run back and say goodbye to my father and to my mother. But then he does something really strange or odd. I do not actually read or have read where he actually kissed his mother mother and father goodbye. But I do read where he took the farm equipment and he used it for kindling or firewood. And then he took the two oxen that he had personally been working with to plow with. And he killed the oxen immediately and sat down and ate the meat with the people. You could say Elisha threw a party. Now, this is significant this morning because when your family had 12 yoke of oxen or 24 oxen, it meant that you were a wealthy farming or agricultural family. 24 oxen can plow a whole lot of land. And so when he destroyed those two oxen and that farming equipment, it meant he was, he was saying something significant. He was sim- symbolizing something very powerful. It meant that he was renouncing his lucrative secular calling for a higher calling. It also shows us that God wasn't calling his 11 farmhands that were with him. God was calling him personally. It was his calling to set ablaze the wood equipment. It was his calling. And so he sacrificed his two oxen. It was his calling. So it was his party to throw. There was no time for nostalgia or or sentimentalism. This is the time. This is the moment to accept the call of God. This is not time to negotiate. It's a time to be obedient. This was the moment he was going to leave seniority for servanthood. This is the moment he was going to leave family for the unfamiliar. This was the moment he was going to leave the top rung of the ladder in the world to the bottom rung on the ministry ladder. As a side note, let me just tell you, Elisha had been raised in a region called Abel Melhola, which means a meadow of dancing. It was a, it was a lush area. One writer called it the breadbasket of the Jordan River Valley. But in this one act, Elisha broke with the past. In this one act, he does it with gladness. In this one act, he took up his calling. He threw a party, not a celebration party, but a a farewell party. When I look at this passage of Scripture, uh, being kind of the the sentimental person uh, that I have a tendency to be, I imagine that plot had been in the far family farming business for generations. And I imagine that working day in and day out with those two oxen, if he was anything like me, he may have given those oxen names. He was probably attached to them. I would have named the oxen. That's just how I am. Now, I just, I just got to tell you, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to come to grips with the reality that I no longer live in the city, but now I live in the country. It's been an adjustment. I've made some boneheaded decisions, some boneheaded mistakes, some boneheaded assumptions. I'm going to confess one to you this morning. You can haggle me about it if you'd like. But being a city boy and not having been in the country, I I ran, you know, we have a lot of deer in our our neighborhood. And so 
I saw one one day. It was a buck. It had a, a huge rack on its head. And I noticed that there was something soft and velvety on the horns of the buck. And so I got on the phone and called a hunting friend of mine who's a pastor in the area. And I said to him, I said, hey, I, I saw something odd today I'd never seen before. I said, who in the world put velvet on the horns of the buck? You know what he said to me? God's honest truth. We're on the phone and he goes, you haven't had this conversation with anybody else down here, have you? I said, no, why? He said, well, that's, that's part of how they were created. And every year rolls around, I guess, uh, you know, their, their horns break off and, and that velvet grows back and it protects it for a while. And then they rub it up against a tree. And I'm thinking to myself, that's bizarre. That, that doesn't seem right to me. You know, you know, something else you don't see in the city. This is something else that, that happened. And, and, and I'm telling you, it was, it was a challenge for a while. But, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have pet pigs in the city. Okay, we don't. There's no, in Richmond, in Fredericksburg, in Hampton Roads, all the areas where I served or lived, nobody had a pet pig. So we're not here long, and I'm coming down, and I make a left on 114. Right across the street from Riverlawn Elementary, there's a family lives right on 114 that has a pet pig. I'm telling you, it was an interesting experience. I, 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 I drove out there. I saw the pig. I saw the pig once. I saw the pig twice. I saw the pig three times. I told my wife I had seen a pig. She said, you're lying. You ain't seen no pig. <laughs> Every time we rode by the house, it's on 114. You go down 114 all the time. Every time we rode by the house, I'm looking for the pig. And did you know every time she's with me, the pig's not out? <laughs> Many times that I'm by myself, the pig is out. Thanks be unto God, my mother-in-law moved in with us. Because one day we were riding, and my wife didn't see the pig, but my mother-in-law saw the pig, and therefore, since her mother saw the pig, she now believes the pig exists. But I'm kind of strange in a way that I thought, I wonder what they named the pig. What is the name of the pig? Wouldn't have... <laughs> That I had this, this thought went by me real quick. Wouldn't having a pet pig be really cool? That escaped me real fast. But I would have named these oxen that I worked with every day. I don't know. Maybe I would have named them Satchel and Beauregard, or Tom and Jerry, or the Lone Ranger and Tonto, or Bonnie and Clyde, or Laurel and Hardy. I would have come up with some name. And it is, is it, isn't it possible that Elisha became so attached to these oxen that he had named them? That they, I just read this this week. It's crazy the stuff you see sometimes. But somebody, somebody said during these, these tumultuous times, if you, if you go out and find a cow and put your arms around the cow's neck, that will give you some peace and serenity. I'm not planning on trying that. But I would have I named the oxen. Elisha may have named the oxen, but when the call of God came into his life, when the moment came, all attachments, wealth and family and property, all things that had been a priority to that moment, now they must be forsaken. He went from running a lucrative family business, being high up in the family, 
He went from there to an unpaid ministerial internship where he washed the hands of Elijah, his predecessor, and sat under his ministry. I want to tell you something. He could have stayed safe and lucrative in Melhola. He could have stayed safe and secure in the dancing meadow, but instead he chose to step out in faith and renounce the farm equipment and renounce the oxen and renounce anything that represented wealth and a lucrative lifestyle. He took a risk. And what I've come by to ask this morning, and this may not be for every person in the house, but I've come by to ask somebody uh, through the Holy Spirit, how about you? Have you given a party to your past? Not a party like this world's parties. Those parties have a lot of sin and iniquity and we as believers do not rejoice in sin and iniquity. But what I'm talking about is a farewell party. I'm telling you right now, we have to get to a place where even if it means forsaking our family we've made up our mind we're going to follow Jesus with every fiber of our being can someone say praise the Lord Jesus himself told us that the passion of our hearts should be so much for him that if the heavenly father asked us to forsake our family we would be willing to do so Peter himself, the great apostle of the New Testament church, one time looked at the Lord in, in Mark 10, 28, and he said, Jesus, we have left all to follow you. And I'm telling you, there is something stirring within this preacher's heart this morning. There's a resounding theme that should be birthed and nurtured in all of our spirits that we must go all in and all out for the all in all. Has he been your all in all? Has he been your provider? Has he been your protector? Has he been the one that has supplied every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Is he your savior, your sanctifier, your baptize, uh, Holy Ghost baptizer? Is he everything to you? Is he your all in all? Or is there some other idols that are having to share a place with Jesus inside of your heart? I've come by to preach to you today that in this last days, there's a separation of the sheep and the goats, there's a separation of the wheat and the tear. We're closer to the coming of the Son of God than we've ever been. And the world's not getting any better. This thing is rocking and reeling and about to fall under the judgment of God. I've come by to preach to someone. You better give a farewell party for your past. Quit holding on to things of the world and say, Lord, I pledge my allegiance to the Lamb of God and I will follow you with everything that is within me. Elisha didn't withhold anything. He gave himself away for kingdom purposes. Now this morning you can play it safe instead of stepping out in faith. You can protect your reputation instead of risking it. You can hoard your money instead of giving it. You can hold on to your plow and Bonnie and Clyde your own oxen. Or you can throw a party for your past and do what God created and called you to do. Oh, Lord, help me now. Too many, too many of God's people are redeemed in their soul, but they're not redeemed from their past failures. They're not redeemed even from their past successes. 
This is important. This is so important because our mind is such a battleground for good and evil. There are people that profess Christ that are still living in defeat over decisions they made 40 years ago. That's not of the Lord. There's people that have been serving God 10 and 15 and 20 years. And they don't feel like, hey, I don't need to do anything anymore. I had my glory days 15, 20 years ago. There's nothing left for me to do. I've done, done my quotient and my share. I've had success in the kingdom of God. And the Lord is saying, as long as there is breath, there is work to be done in you. And come on now, somebody help me here. <laughs> Tell you how the mind works. Let's just be a little transparent today. I've pastored at other churches and other places. Some places I've pastored for a few years, and some places I've passed for several years, pastored several years. And I, and I assure you that I have made mistakes everywhere that I have ever served. Everywhere, including here. Here is, here is personal truth. Down seasons in your memory can fight to define who you are months and years down the road. I was thinking about one particular church where Sandra and I served. And there was not tremendous growth in the five and a half years we were there. We had to deal with quite a bit going in. We had to confront some things and handle some very unpleasant things. We did the best we could with God's grace and, and God's spirit. And, and honestly, before you, it was the only church that we didn't have dynamic numerical growth. Five and a half years. I'm telling you, I left that place scratching my head as to any fruitfulness in that season and life in my ministry. Never seemed to get any footing. And this is the way the mind works. This is important. you got to get this. I'm sharing this with you for a reason because every one of us battle this. That five and a half year period can taunt me in my memory because it was nothing but five and a half years of warfare, conflict, one battle after another. Oh, wonderful people, a lot, some of the best people you will ever meet. Loved God, loved us. But it was, there was just tremendous, tremendous challenges. And so those things that seem like failures Every time I have a reference point, this is important, every time I have a reference point to that season of my life, only the negative tries to surface. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? So I got a text the other day. Get texts all the time, just like many of you. Some texts are important. Some texts, just casual conversation. Some texts are junk, but this particular text literally 
brought joy from the depths of my soul. I got the text, and the text said that the church that had had a 50-year mortgage, half a century on a mortgage, after 50-plus years of a mortgage, they had paid off their note. And I rejoiced. And the person that sent me the text, who was a treasurer, said, this is something we celebrate, but it was an initiative that you started. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you understand how precious that communication was to me because that had been such a ministry of warfare. On the flip side, I have had the honor to participate in multi-million dollar building programs that some great men sometimes don't even get to be a part of in their lifetime that would leave some people even enamored. And yet, even in that history, there can be some clouds attached to it. What I am trying to preach this morning, I hope you're getting this message as much as I feel it in my spirit. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is you have to let go of the past. You have to quit memorializing the failures of the past. You have to quit glamorizing the successes of the past. And you have to say, this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has forgiven you in the name of Jesus forgive yourself and let it go too many are stuck in the muck and the misery of yesteryear too many pine for the good old days of days gone by and yet God says Today, I told you earlier, this may not be for everybody in the room, so if 195 of you are having to listen to this because five need to hear from God, so be it. But for somebody, today is the day of your salvation. For somebody, today is the day of your calling. I wonder about Elisha. You know, he asked for a double portion. A double portion of Elijah's spirit. This old weak, false humility. That's for the birds. In the things of God, you don't have to be courteous for nobody. You go after it with every fiber of your being. And anybody just gets run over that gets in your way because you're going after Jesus. Why did he get a double portion? I mean, Elijah got to go away in a fiery chariot. Why did Elisha get a double portion? Number one, he asked for it. 
Number two, he went after it willing to even start at the bottom as a servant, pouring water on the hands of Elijah as a mentor. As a result, God blessed him. Elisha, man, he's really cool. He's really cool. We have a couple of brothers. We got one brother I love when he puts a picture. He lives up on the mountain. Brother Norm does, and he, he puts out pictures on his Facebook page when the bears come up. The bears come up, and he just, he's, the other day he posted a picture. He says, I'm just sitting here having a cup of coffee watching, you know, this is my, this is my view. And there's a bear out in his front yard. Elisha called bears out of the woods. Now, you better have some anointing to do that. He made iron axe heads to float in the water. He raised the dead back to life with the power of God. God used him to heal one man of leprosy and turned around and he gave another man leprosy. fed men miraculously with loaves and corn on the cob. During the life of Elisha, the ministry, he performed 28 documented miracles in Scripture, which was twice as many as the 14 that Elijah performed. That's double portion stuff. Stop being so courteous about calling and spiritual things and, and go after it. Quit, quit settling in the name of Jesus. But when you go after the true things, gifts and callings of God, settle in your mind and in your heart that you have given a farewell party to your past. Somebody say amen. You cannot reach forward with both hands and get a hold of what God wants you to do and still have a hand in your past. Great scripture ties in here since we're talking about plows. Jesus said, no man, having put his hands to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Burn up. Plows of successes. Cook up the oxen of your past failures. There are no plan B's. There are no fallback plans. Paul said, forget those things which are behind you. There's a reason. There's a reason why the windshield is a hundred times bigger than the rearview mirror. Drive forward with your rearview mirror and you'll find out why. A reference point is great. A reference point saying, God, my failures remind me of your amazing grace. That's a rearview mirror approach. Successes are great. A rear view mirror reference says, you know what? 
God did it before, and now I'm believing him to do it again. But whatever you do, you cannot move forward while you're looking in your rearview mirror. Oh, Lord, help us get this. God gave the children of Israel daily manna. Daily manna. Each day. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, give us this day our daily bread. He also said, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. We have to to fix our focus upon the Lord and live in the present We have to go all in and all out for the all in all. If you will, God will amaze you. God will amaze you. September 1993, if you'll come to the keys, Tony, September 1993, I was secure in my government job. My wife was secure in her banking job. We had options. There was some change in my government job. I could have transferred to a different state. But the Lord had been dealing with us about full-time pastoral ministry. We had to make a decision. God had already made our nest very uncomfortable. That's what he'll do. He'll shake the nest, get them birds to finally learn how to fly. When the Lord moved us three, three and a half hours away from Hampton Roads to a little mission church with 30 people. It was a big step. We took all of our retirement out. My wife, who'd been used to talking to her mother once and twice a day, 27 years ago, hello, there was no cell phone service. We had to make a decision. I can't honestly say it was a celebration party, but it was definitely a farewell party. It was a so long party. It was a, we're leaving the comforts and the conveniences because this is what God's called us to do. It was nerve wracking. This little church, they couldn't give me a salary. All they could give me is about five or $600 a month. I talked to ministerial candidates today that are going to pastor for the first time. Man, they want their, they want their bread buttered up front. That's not really the way God works. He wants you to trust Him. I remember, Brother Larry, I remember stepping out, saying, let's do this. So we did on the northern neck in a place called Colonial Beach with our little church of 30 people. Just a few hundred dollars a month. Man, things got, they started getting tight. They started getting tight. Started getting tight. Savings was gone. 
Unemployment was gone. But did you know just in the nick of time, at the time that those two sources of provision ran out, my wife landed a job at a local bank full-time. Just in the nick of time. We had paid off all our debt. Our automobiles were paid. And up to that moment, that was the nicest home we'd ever lived in where we moved. God's got you back. God's got you in the palm of his hand. But you've got to make a decision. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, or more importantly, who the Holy Spirit is talking to. But you've got to make up your mind that you're going to quit vacillating and you're going to say, today I rise up and I accept the mantle of the mighty and I go forward to do what God has called me to do. You need to throw a party for your past. Bow your heads with me. Lord, you know who this is for. It may be for some in this room. I feel confident it is. It may be for someone that's watching online. First of all, Lord, I want to tell you how grateful I am for my past failures. They were painful. They were difficult. They were gut and heart-wrenching. But they also reminded me where sin abounds, the grace of God does much more abound. Lord, I want to thank you for my past successes. Those from last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, 25 years ago. But I can't live in days gone by. But what I can say is thank you for those successes because they remind me that the faithful God that helped me to accomplish victory, my rearview mirror says he will do it again. It's a reference point for me. Lord, I know it's a proven study. This Zagarnik effect that plays over and over in our mind over our past failures, a failed marriage, a failed relationship, a surprising pregnancy, maybe an abortion, maybe an illicit lifestyle, maybe alcoholism, maybe an addiction to pornography. I don't know. Maybe it was a bad business decision and it caused someone to have to file for bankruptcy. There's people that claim the name of Christ that live day after day after day trying to figure a way in their mind. Is there something I can do to go back and fix, fix this? But Lord, you've sent this shepherd to the pulpit today to remind them you don't need to fix it. It is under the blood. And what is forgiven is forgotten. It is cast behind 
your back, God. It is thrown into the depths of the sea, God. It is as far as the east is from the west to never be remembered by you again. There, oh, Holy Spirit, have your way. There is therefore now, this moment, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. God, would you touch hearts? And would you transform minds this morning? Holy Spirit, he goes. there someone that needs prayer today you need prayer today say boy you've talked to me preacher I really need to give a, a farewell party to my past I keep spinning reliving moments of regret someone in the room today that would say preacher there's a call of God upon my life and I know there's a call of God and I'm telling you things haven't, haven't gone smoothly to this moment for me to fulfill that call but I've heard the word of the Lord today and I know God is not done with me yet And I know this morning I need to have a farewell party to my past, to my disappointments, to everything that has led up to this very moment in my life. Is there anyone here that needs prayer this morning? stand.